This is all of it, United Methodist Church in sunny Robbinsdale, Minnesota. We want to welcome you to our worship service. Many of you are unable to go to your worship services, your places of worship. Many of you have made decisions to stay at home. Others have um, chosen not to go to any particular church. And you consider all of it your church, and we, we are honored by your prayer support and your financial support. And again, my name's Dr. Randy Tabor from all of United Methodist Church. I've been here for 23 years. It just seems like yesterday, but you know, the years go by so quickly. We wanna honor our servicemen and women. This past week we had, um, you know, the Vietnam vets never really got a proper welcome back home. And we have a couple Vietnam vets here today and I want to welcome um, Rabbi, and I, I believe um, Joel Curtis, Winterow, and Jeannie, your Vietnam vets, any other Vietnam vets that we want to um, acknowledge. So let us keep that in mind. Can I see by way of hands? Raise those hands, Vietnam vets, Vietnam vets, Vietnam vets. Yes, and we also um, want to honor our um, those who are veterans of other wars, too. I'd like to call on on, on our beloved um, responsive reading. If you'd please come, Boone, Kurt, would you come and lead us in our introductory um, scripture? And he will let you know um, where that scripture is taken in the Bible if you want to pull your Bibles. Many of you really appreciate the fact that we acknowledge the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. And um, that's one of the first songs that I um, taught my grandchildren, the B-I-B-L-E, even before they learned to talk. They were saying, Grandpa, sing that song. And I'd say, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. Could you sing that with me this morning? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Amen. Would you share with us, Kurt and Boone, what scripture you're going to be sharing? And then those by way of um, our worship service today, they have bulletin inserts that have listed that scripture. In your insert, it's uh, from John... And it's the Good Shepherd. Uh, I'll give you a, a little while to find it. It's, it's number 633, the Good Shepherd. Truly, truly I say to you, he who does not enter this sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. As the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of his fold. I must bring them also, and they will heed my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Again, that's from John 10. Blessings. Amen. May God bless the reading and the responsive reading of our scripture today. Uh, Mike, would you come and prepare to share your moments with the laity? Father, this morning as we um, come by way of television and YouTube and Facebook, we just want to thank you for the, those listeners that have the opportunity to hear God's word expounded. We thank you for our guests this morning who faithfully um, support our, our church, even by a long distance, Paul Peterson and others. We thank you for the prayer support and the financial support that makes this possible, and those who are be behind the cameras and those who are behind a sound system, Lord, we just want to give you praise for the opportunity of, of blessing us. We pray this morning for Lee Gross, who had planned on sharing some special music but became ill. We know that, that your hand needs to be upon Lee because he's one of the most tenacious and aggressive drivers from St. Paul to be with us, and he wants to bless the airways and the byways and the worship services and with his talented music. Be with Lee and Sharon, Lord, as they're recuperating from, from an illness. We pray for others by way of television. We think of Sarah, who is just a recent convert and an adherent of our worship service, and she'd be here today. We just pray, Father, that you would have your hand of healing upon Sarah. We pray for Margot Rising and others in our, our midst who listen to us faithfully, the mayors, Jim and Charlene. Others that go unnamed, we know that each and every one of us have specific prayer requests. We thank you for Boone and Kurt, and we pray your blessings upon those who are celebrating their birthdays this coming week, Iris Sims, and we, we pray for Mike now as he shares moments with the laity. As you taught us all to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Good morning, brothers and sisters. Our reading today is going to be from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, 34 through 36. 46. 46, sorry. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law of the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think of Christ? Whose the son is he? And they said to him, The son of David. Inspired by the Spirit, the son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, till I put my, thy enemies under thy feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer the question with a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. Here in Matthew's book, this is pretty much the end of the disputes that Jesus had with all the religious leaders, Sadducees and the Pharisees, as he returned back into Jerusalem. Their ver verbal disputes end with Jesus' question in verse 30, 45. They claimed he was the son of David, which was a, actually a common messianic reference. And Jesus' clever question back was, how can he be a son if he calls him Lord? After this, they didn't ask him any more questions. Earlier, in verse 22 and 23, they tried to trip Jesus up, thinking they would stump him with legal questions about marriage and the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees proved unsuccessful, and the Pharisees that arrived there knew it. This time, they will attempt to trap him by changing the question to be spiritual. In verse 36, they asked him which of the commandments was the greatest. His answer was, of course, perfect and proved his scriptural authority. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. We should love others as God does. Here Jesus was leaning on an Old Testament passage. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 be exact. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Jesus went further saying that all the commandments and the law hang on that. The rabbis back then had a similar philosophy. What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole law. The Pharisees gave up trying to trap Jesus with words and withdrew to draw up a plan to get rid of him permanently. When Jesus spoke of hanging the entire law on loving God, that's the absolute truth. 
We can do all kinds of man-made religious things or actions, take actions. But remember what Jesus said. You can have the faith to move mountains, but if you have not love, they're useless. Father God loved every human being that has, will, or will ever live and chose to die on their behalf to prevent them from going to hell. God does not want his children to go to hell. I could tell you, as you've heard probably, that love is an emotion. And it is. But you know what? Without actions, it's dead. God may know you love him, but without the acts, showing this, the love of God to others, what good is it? Here's a better way to look at it. It's not only worthless to you personally without actions, but what is love if you don't perform acts of love to others? I will tell you, it's hollow and completely, utterly worthless. God has showed us through Jesus that biblical love is anything but motionless. Without actions, your love is worthless, and on the contrary, unless your actions are motivated by this love, your actions are worthless as well. The love commandments towards God and neighbor are inseparably linked. You cannot divide them. Love does not exist if it's not shown by actions. To love our neighbors as ourselves means that we do not simply have an emotion, emotional attachment with them, but we, through that emotional attachment of love, are driven to do acts that demonstrate our love for them. This is exactly how God showed his love for us. He did something for us. He performed an action. So much more than an emotional love is commanded to us and demonstrated by God's death when he exemplified that love on the cross for you and for all of us. Only love that has actions shows commitment. Then it logically follows that love without actions is, of course, dead and incommittal at best. That is what we strive for love. That is, not, we don't not only love for each other, but when we perform the max for others, we're actually representing God. I can't <coughs> stress the importance of that fact more. When you want to show love to somebody else, you do something for them. I receive thanks a lot, but it's not me, it's him to be thankful for. Thank you. Hallelujah. Mike, we um, want to recognize our Vietnam vents, and I believe we have three of them here. Could you see that Rabbi receives one in Jeannie and Joel. Is there just three, three from Vietnam vets? I was a candidate for Annapolis and West Point back in 69, 70, and then I had a football scholarship to play at the U, so I didn't go until a little bit later, but we just 
realize those Vietnam vets, they just did, never were really welcome back home like some of the Desert Storm, Desert Shield, Afghan, Iraqi vets. So we just want to welcome you back. Yeah. We'll, um, let's give them a round of applause. And we're going to have more to say on that on Veterans Day as we recognize all of our vets, you know, Veterans Day. Um, I'd like you to stand with me now, if you would please. Stand, if you would please. That's, it's fine if you want to remain seated. But if you would turn, turn with me to um, um, the bulletin inserts on Christian Unity 634, 634. Um, scripture that's taken from John the 10th chapter and 17 in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own and my own know me as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will heed my voice so there shall be one flock, one shepherd. Now when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son may glorify thee. I have manifested thy name to the men whom thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to me, and they have kept the world. And now I am no more in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to thee. Holy Father, keep them in thy name, which thou hast given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. They may become one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. For just as a body... Your body, my body, is one and has many members, hands and eyes and feet, and, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, and so it is with Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are great, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope, the hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. Thank you. You may be seated. This um, Sunday has been kind of declared... Um, a day of prayer and fasting. If you've had a breakfast, you might consider um, fasting for a few hours and prayer. Um, I hope you've been making plans to join us today in fasting and prayer for America. There's so much at stake for one nation in the upcoming election, and there's so little time left. And let's call out to God together for his intervention and God's mercy. For God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is our only nation's only hope. According to Joel, the second chapter, verses 12 through 14, 
Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. Thank you all for um, praying and fasting for America by way of television and radio, YouTube, Facebook. Don't lose heart and don't give up. Pray for our, our country. Pray for the world, that the spread of Christ. You and I, we probably never entered into uh, a period or a time when there's been so many questions. People are questioning, you know, um, Christians even, are questioning their faith and their authority in Christ. They're questioning even Jesus as the truth, the life, and the way. And that dominant culture during Jesus' time was, was questioning Jesus. And here, here you, in our scripture, you see this lawyer who had a lot of power, a lot of prestige, coming up to Jesus, and, and he says, what's the greatest of the commandments? In the beginning of this passage, we, we find our Lord replying to this question of a certain lawyer who asked Jesus which was the greatest commandment of the law. And that question was asked, it was asked in no friendly spirit. And the, the commentaries and those who read the scriptures got to get behind that. And the um, reason you need to get behind that and there's two ways of looking at scriptures. You can eisegesis, look to your personal eyes, or you can exegesis by looking at the context of the word. And, and we as Christians, among all people, should not only look at the words, the message, but the messenger. How, as we uh, as messengers, deliver the word. Now, if you, as a messenger, are, are blurred, belligerent or are unkind or you don't demonstrate the fruits of spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and long-suffering and meekness and gentleness and kindness and self-control the fruits of the spirit according to Galatians people will never listen to the message because the messenger is already killed already killed the message but we have no we have a reason to be thankful, and it, it, was, it was asked to all. Jesus spoke to all, both those saved and unsaved, those heathen and non-heathen, those believers and non-believers. It drew from our Lord an answer that was full of, of very precious, precious instruction. And thus we see how good may come out of evil. The world likes to enter in debate, debate. The world likes to present much false news, much phony news. In the word of God, you don't find that phoniness. Jesus comes right to the point. It's not fake news, it's real news, because he's the truth, the life and the way. And let us mark what an admirable, an admirable summary of, 
these verses contain of our duty, our duty to God and our duty to our neighbor. Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And Jesus says again, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, thy neighbor as thyself. And then Jesus adds, On these two, on these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. How simple are these two rules, but yet how comprehensive. We think we understand it cerebrally and in our mind, our body, our soul, and our spirit, but how comprehensive these words are. How soon the words are repeated, and yet how much weight they contain. How humbling these words are, but how condemning they are. How much they prove our, our daily need of mercy and the precious blood of atonement, getting at one with God. Happy it would be for, for the world if these rules were more known and they were more practiced. Love is the grand secret of true obedience to God. If people can say that you love God with all your heart and mind and body and soul and spirit and you love your neighbor as yourself, you're putting the truth of Christianity in Christ in effect. If they don't love the medium, they're going to miss the message. You need to love your neighbor before your neighbor will ever reciprocate and hear what you have to say as the message. Love is this grand secret of true obedience to God. From Genesis to Revelation, we find the heathen, the unbelievers, and the unfaithful being one to Christ because of the incarnation that God becomes flesh. And ultimately, God became flesh in Jesus Christ. Love is this grand secret of true obedience to God. And we, what we feel towards God as children, we feel towards our dear Father as we shall delight to do, do Jesus' will. We shall not find his commandments grievous and work for Jesus like slaves under the fear of the lash. We shall take pleasure in trying to keep God's laws and mourn when we transgress those laws. Well, we can't even love our neighbor and we can't love ourselves. We're not the conduits for spreading his message. None work so well as they want who, who work for love. The fear of punishment or the desire of reward are principles of far less power than the words of love. They do the will of God best who do it from the heart and the spirit. Would we train our children right? Would we train our children right? What a great legacy you heard me speak of the Petersons. And, and I've noticed in families that speak so openly about their faith, 
and I've learned through nearly 50 years of public speaking and hearing people, politicians and Christians and non-Christians alike, families that truly serve the Lord or serve God or a sense of righteousness, that's what is shown publicly is demonstrated privately and you can see it's carried over from one generation to the next generation, those fruits of the spirit, let us teach them to love God. Love is the um, grand secret of right behavior towards our fellow human beings. But he will not rest there. The person will not rest there. That person will desire in every way to do the other good, as Jesus pronounced the neighbor. And the neighbor is whoever we find in need. They will strive to promote this comfort and this happiness in every way. They will promote that comfort, that happiness is from Jesus. They will endeavor to lighten the other's sorrow, not make a greater burden for the other. And they will increase their joys rather than decrease their joys. Are you a person of faith? Are you a person of, of the fruits of the Spirit? Are you a positive person for Christ or a negative person for Christ? Now, when a person loves us, we feel confidence in them. When a person loves us, we feel confidence in them. And likewise, the negative of that is also true. We know that they will never intentionally to do us harm and that in every time of need, they will be our friend. Would we teach our, our children, our grandchildren to believe and to behave aright towards others, treating others like the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them to do unto us? Let us teach them to love everybody as themselves and do to others as they would have others do to them. But how shall we obtain this love? How shall we obtain this, this love of God? It truly is no natural feeling. It's not inherent within us. We are born in sin, the Bible says, and in sin is we are afraid of God. Well, how can then we love Jesus? We can never really love Jesus or God till we are at peace with God. Peace with God through Christ. And when we feel our sins forgiven and ourselves reconciled to our holy maker, then and not till then shall we love God and have that understanding and have the spirit of adoption. Adoption. Faith in Christ is that true spring of love. Love to God. You can go to as many Bible studies as you want. You can study your Bible each and every day and come to worship each and every Sunday. But if you don't incarnate, make that word flesh in your life, you'll never be a true witness for Christ. They love most who feel most forgiven. According to 1 John chapter 4, 19, we love Jesus because he first loved us. 
we need to understand then how shall we obtain this love towards our neighbor? This is no natural feeling. We are born selfish. We are born selfish. We are born hateful. We are born to hate and love, not to love one another, as according to Titus, Titus chapter 3, 3. We shall never love our fellow human beings aright till our hearts are changed by the Holy Ghost. If we gravitate, we gravitate to the carnal nature, the fleshly nature. We, we must be born again, as Jesus said. We must put off the old person and we must put on the new. We must receive the mind, the heart, the spirit of Christ that was in Christ Jesus. Then and not till then our cold hearts will know no true godlike love towards others. Because Galatians chapter 5, 22 reminds us that the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and long-suffering and meekness and gentleness and kindness. Galatians chapter 5, 22. And we are called to let these things sink down into our hearts. There are those by way of television and radio and YouTube that oftentimes get, get a hold of me and, and they say, I've tried so many things that you tell us Sunday after Sunday, but it just doesn't seem to work. And I responded, are you sure you have the worker in your life? Are you sure you have the companion of the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your life? Are you truly incarnating the fruits of the Spirit? There's much vague talk in these, these latter days about love and, and charity. People like to identify themselves with Christians. It seems like even the affluent and the educated are gravitating towards using their confession of Christianity and a follower of Christ if it seems to aid them in, in their life. I remember early in my ministry when I talked to a lot of business people and I'd ask them, um, what are some of the primary reasons that you come to church? And they were very honest with me and they said, well, it helps my business. Helps my business, I would say. What does it take for you to um, know that Christ in you is the hope of glory? People profess to admire them and desire to see them increase, and yet they hate the principles which alone can produce these. As you vote, and as you pray, are you praying for people that have godly principles? Let us stand fast to the old paths. We cannot have fruits of the Spirit. We cannot have fruits. I would tell people, and I don't think it's a Randy Tabor statement, but we cannot have fruits and flowers without roots. What are your true roots? Are they in Christ? We, we cannot have love to God and love towards other, our neighbor, without our faith in Christ and without regeneration. You need to be renewed by the Spirit of God. And the way to spread true love in the world is to teach the atonement of Christ, the atonement with Christ. 
and the work of the Holy Ghost. Now, the reconciling and the, the concluding portion of this passage contains a question. A question to ponder and a question that put the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees really out to the pasture by our Lord. After answering with perfect wisdom the inquirers of his adversaries, Jesus at last asked them a question. Jesus says, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is the Christ? And they reply at once, the true Christ is the son of David. Jesus then asked them to explain why David in the book of Psalms calls him Lord. Psalm 60 verse 1 says, if David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? At once his enemies were put to silence, the scripture says. No one, no one was able to, um, to answer Jesus' question. No one was able to answer Jesus a word. So the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees no doubt were, were familiar with the Psalms. It could only be explained by conceding the pre-existence of Christ. That Jesus pre-existed. Genesis, Jesus pre-existed. And his divinity was truly the divinity of the Messiah. This the Pharisees would not concede. Their only idea of the Messiah was that he was to be a person like one of themselves. Their ignorance of the scriptures, of which they pretended to know more than others, and their low carnal view of the true nature of Christ, were thus exposed at one and the same time. I learned a long time ago, don't trust in the degrees and the letters before and after a so-called preacher's name. Don't trust in the degrees. Don't trust in what they say. You have to examine their Bibles. Are their Bibles worn? They can have as many degrees and honorary degrees and earned degrees in the world. But you take that good old Sunday school teacher who are male or female that's worn that Bible out and read it many times because I want to trust in the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. Well may Matthew say by the Holy Ghost, from that day forth durst no one ask Jesus any more questions. I don't care if you're the president or the speaker of the house. Are you guided by the word of God? Who really impresses you? Is it the principles and the convictions and the disciplines of the Bible? Let us not leave these verses without making a practical use of our Lord's solemn question. He says, what think ye of Christ? What? think ye of Christ? What do we think of 
Jesus' person and his office? What do we think of his life and what of his death for us on the cross? I would have to say that bishops and district superintendents and a lot of ministers that have a long following oftentimes listen to me and and they may not necessarily agree with me but they can't dispute what I say according to the word of God because I stand alone on the word of God the B-I-B-L-E that's the book for me what do we think of his resurrection his ascension his intercession at the right hand of God for us have we tasted have we tasted of his graciousness have have we laid down and laid hold of of Jesus by faith and have we found by experience that Jesus is precious precious to our souls how many of people have made decisions for Christ can can we truly say that Jesus is our redeemer that Jesus our savior unabashedly and unashamedly that he's my shepherd and he's my friend now these are very serious questions and very serious inquiries may we never rest till we give a satisfactory answer to Jesus it will not profit us to gain the whole world but lose our souls that's biblical that's scriptural it will not profit us to read about Christ or hear about Christ if we are not joined to Christ, Jesus, by a living faith. Once more, then, let us test our religion by this question. What think ye of Christ? Do you support Christ in his movement, his church, his body? Are you winning others to Christ? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 says, the one that winneth souls is wise. You can win others to Christ even if you are weak. You can win people to Christ even if you are foolish. For the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 27. So if you're weak and foolish, rejoice. God can use you in a mighty way with the help of, of the Holy Spirit. You can rise above your limitations. Actually, there's no benefit in ignorance. You should study and you should learn as much as you can about soul winning. But soul winning is, is more caught than taught it's more caught than taught you don't have to know everything before you begin you can start right now if your heart is right with God it's true that you must evangelize I said this many times before I don't think I invented these words but you must evangelize or you'll fossilize can you say that with me you must evangelize or you'll fossilize. And the reason why so many Christians lose their joy is that they refuse to witness for Christ. That's why so many of us feel so excited when we see a, 
a new person that comes to church. Like Sarah, new faces, new excitement because you see the joy of the Lord is her strength. Pray for Sarah. Too many Christians are, are suffering from spiritual bloat. I say spiritual bloat. They, they have heard so many sermons. They've went to so many Sunday school classes, so many sermons preached by so many preachers that they're about ready to burst. Burst with frustration. Spiritual bloat. I talk to many ministers been almost sent around the world by some evangelist and worship in their churches, fast-growing churches in America, it's because they have an emphasis on soul winning. It tells a story, and I, I remember a story that was told of a lady in, in one particular church who wanted to, to get started soul winning, so she took, this pastor took her with him as he went from door to door telling people about Jesus Christ. And finally, he gave her the opportunity to go house by house by herself and sharing her testimony. It, it wasn't long before she called the pastor to come into one house where he had found an old man on his knees in tears trying to um, pray. And all the man, all the man could say was, I don't know what this lady's got. I don't know what this lady's got, but I want it. I want it. Now, if you, like me, want to move beyond your questions and you want to win souls, nothing will be more effective than letting your first love, your first love for the Lord show. Because before you can win your neighbor, you have to truly be in Christ. If you're cold in your soul, your words will come out like frost and freeze the unbeliever in their sins. But if you love Jesus Christ warmly and sincerely, God will use you to bring others to himself. Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed and Christians in prayer, a hot heart, a hot heart of love is the first tool for unfreezing sinners. Would you pray this prayer with me, dear Jesus? Help me, O oh Lord. Unfreeze me. Thaw me out. Help me to be on fire for Christ. Forgive my sins. Help me to evangelize, not fossilize. Thank you for the forgiveness of your sins and for coming into my heart and life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us spend a few moments in silent prayer.
Father, we want to thank you for silence. May that silence be utilized by your Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives. Help us to allow your Holy Spirit to go into every nook and cranner, corner of our lives. We do pray for Lee Gross. We pray for Janet Peterson, who's celebrating her birthday this coming week on the 26th, for Alex Reinhardt and Kim Lapalo and Iris Sims, for Gary and Kathy Krause anniversary on October 28th, for all our veterans as well as in honor of Rabbi's 71st birthday. Help us now to stand as we give you glory. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand with me now? Rabbi or Claudia, would you like to dismiss us in a word of prayer? And Mike, is that Mike? Can you pull that mic and bring it to Rabbi and Claudia? Is that a re removable mic? Okay, stationary mic. Would you like to dismiss us in a word of prayer? Now, you're invited to um, kind of an abbreviated, um, we have some cake left over. We want to honor our veterans and those who are in our bulletins, if you feel the necessity to leave, we certainly understand it. Um, would you like to dismiss us in prayer? I think we're off of television now, Marie, but would you brief them? And then I'm going to have all of us extend our right hands in prayer.
spine. Thank you, Marie. Let's all extend our, our right hand to Rabbi and Claudia. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would touch Rabbi from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, that as he is not a good um, match for, for a transplant, that you're going to just touch him. Touch him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet with your healing power. We thank you for these returning vets that that just really need to know that they're truly back at home and they were appreciated for their service. The Vietnam War, we're living in a time and an era where veterans are beginning to be truly appreciated and now law enforcement is, is being depreciated. We pray for law enforcement also, Lord, to help us to be back on the right track. It's not only black lives that matter, it's broken lives that matter. And all lives, red and yellow, black and white, Jesus says they're precious in his sight. Bless us now as we go forth in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we have a couple of Vietnam nurses here. Do a little triage, right, Jeannie and Joe? You're all welcome to um, fellowship area. We're still looking for Rabbi's favorite pillow. That, he, that was a multi-million dollar present from the VA. There's no pillow quite like those gel pillows. If you'd like to have some cake to go, um, grab some cake to go. There's um, 
two or three sheets there. You'll want to probably beat Kurt and Mike back there because they, they have a real sweet tooth. 